0: We are here live at uh where am I? Can we do that again? No? We are here live at UFC <laughs> Fight Night Eighty Nine. We're gonna cover Rory McConnell, Steven Thompson, and we got a special guest coming right up. You're tuning into the destination for TV Superfan discussion. After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Well that was a flub up that's gonna be added to the blooper roll. Live internet, my <laughs> friend. Right, Doesn't the, matter. The last one too where my seat dropped, remember?
1: You There's do, something you, you about bad luck. There's something about you <laughs> in the driver's seat, my friend. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I, Whatever. Uh, but we are here live, <laughs> UFC Fight Night. We're going to cover it. McDonald versus Thompson, and we have a special guest in the house. Let's uh, introduce everybody. Hey guys, I'm Gabriel Gonzalez to talk UFC
2: and anything else uh, I'm a part of at Afterbus TV. You can follow me at WG on TV.
1: J 716 right here, sitting next to me in the hot seat is Josh Gross. Uh, pioneer MMA journalist We've been trying To get him on here For a very long time uh, He's got a book Coming out In about 8 hours As we uh, as we record this We'll talk about that In a little bit Yes Eric. real
0: quick Oh go ahead I'm sorry
1: No it's just glad to be
0: here Thank you for having me Cool yeah Just, just real quick I know you guys uh, You just wrote a book Aha, Ali versus Nanoki Come out in a few hours uh, You can go to Book Circle Online mm-hmm. You guys talk all about it We're going to get A little bit more into it You know later on in the show we got a fight night To cover Two nights ago From Ottawa, Ontario, Canada First ever fight night From Ottawa with an A, A T T A W A N no. O. I, I,
2: I got the wrong hashtag on Twitter. I'm oh, sorry, boy. America. But uh, yeah. Uh, no, should say,
0: be sorry, Canada. I'm, say, yes, America I'm, so, I'm sorry, Canada. Our cheesy cheesy joke of the day. <laughs> okay. You know how Canada got their name?
2: Oh, I heard this <laughs> no, one. No, I've it. never heard this one before. <laughs> so they
0: were, they had a bunch of letters in a hat, and they were picking na- letters that I've had. They were like C A, N A, D A. Nice. Canada. Nice. Well done um but yeah we're here to talk all about we have a lot to talk about a lot of news today a lot of, you know ufc being sold gsp coming back wow uh, but yeah like i said a good fight night two days ago two mm-hmm. nights ago yeah rory mcdonald versus stephen thompson I, I can be a little biased at times everybody knows i'm a big big stephen thompson fan so uh like i said we're gonna run down the card do you have the
1: card in front of you, you like to usually run down the card real quick uh? i do here um starting at the beginning and i i gotta be honest guys um it w- University of MMA Fight Night 13 happened this weekend and uh, uh, several other things. Um, so I gotta be honest, I have not had a chance to watch this fight night. Stepping in uh, to talk about Breaking some of the, the other news, mm-hmm. I'm looking right at the fourth wall. Wow. So yeah, wow. <laughs> to be fair oh. to everybody, I don't want to BS my way. It's like when you um, show up
2: for test day, but you didn't do any <laughs> studying, <laughs> and so you still get an A.
1: We'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> Opening the show at uh, flyweight Ali Bagautinov. Beat uh, G.N. Herrera. I assume G.N. is the uh, correct pronunciation. Josh can correct me for sure. Uh, you don't find Jay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Welterweight Colby Covington over Jonathan uh, Munir by submission in the third rear naked choke. Uh, there was a catch weight, uh, 117.5 pounds. I believe that was modified, I'm guessing, from uh, weigh-ins. Randa Marcos, The Quiet Storm, over jo- uh, Jocelyn jones Lieberger. That was a unanimous decision. Elias Theodoro versus... Sam smiling, Sam Alvey after buzz guest alumni, uh, story door over Sam by unanimous decision.
0: I'm sorry, Sam.
1: Our, I was going to say our,
0: He should have came on right before the fight. Usually our,
1: our guests usually win their fights right after that. The good luck uh, the good luck karma did not work this time for him. Uh, at bantamweight, Joe Soto over Chris Beal by submission in the third, also a rear naked choke. Uh, middleweight, Christoph Jotko over Tamden the Bearcat McCrory. First round uh, finish. It was a knockout. It was uh, one of, I think, t- Tamden's second match back in the UFC Mm -hmm. uh, since a pretty long hiatus. Uh, Light heavyweight, Misha Sirkunov over Ian Kutalabra by submission, uh, arm arm triangle choke they say here in the third. Um, Lightweight, uh, heading up the, uh, the main event of the prelim card, Jason Sago over Leandro Silva by split decision. In the, on the main card, opening up was uh, women's flyweight JoJo Calderwood, George's ex-girlfriend, over Valli, Valerie Letourneau. Uh, JoJo won by TKO in the third. Lightweight after that, Obin, o, Olivier Obin mercier over Thibaut Goudy. Uh, he caught him with a submission in the third. Steve Bossi at light heavyweight over um, Sean, the real OC. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, unanimous decision. In the co-main event, Donald Cerrone over Patrick Cote with a TKO in the third. And in the main event, going five rounds, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson over Rory McDonald, Red King. Uh, unanimous decision, 50-45, 50-45, 48-47. So it was, depending on what seat you were looking at, you were sitting in, it was either a clean sweep or it was really close.
2: It was a shutout, very clearly on, Yeah, I think. Um, Well, we'll get right into that. I actually got to point out, I didn't know that Rory changed his name again. I mean, he's been Waterboy, Aries, the Red King, and I feel like... Was he Waterboy? Yeah, very early on in his career, like when he first fought Carlos Condit. He was still, you know, when he was the youngest guy in UFC, and I was like, well, I mean, it's all about branding yourself. You know, they're (laughs) all wearing the same
1: Reebok shorts now, so you know what? Go for it. Waterboy is a good nickname to go away from for yes. sure. Yeah, got that Bobby Boucher look kind of going. Now <laughs> yeah, you caught the fights, right, Josh? Uh,
3: I just saw the main event. Um, mm-hmm. I was uh, actually at the U of, M- U of MMA. Mm-hmm. I was signing my books, and they had oh, nice. nice enough to have me in the cage and, and talk to me. But uh, I just saw the main event: Stephen Thompson, Roy McDonald, and that was the, really the one fight I was interested mm-hmm. in most. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the storylines coming into it really compelling. McDonald seeking free agency, really trying to go off and, and into the sunset of the UFC and with a win. You're talking about, you know, the, the toll of fighting Robbie Lawler. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what did that have impact on him? Clearly, that did have an impact. And then Stephen Thompson's a dynamic fighter, one of these guys that we thought we knew what mixed martial arts was right all you had to do was wrestle a little bit do some mm-hmm. muay thai and you would probably be good a little jiu he's a very unique fighter and his style i think is fun to watch and um, you know pretty uh, pretty aggressive on the evening i thought he put together a good performance and deserved the victory now personally i was a
0: little curious about Rory McDonald and here's a guy who hasn't fought in 11 months and the last memory we remember him of his his brute i guess i don't want to say brutal cuz that kind of underwhelms just the physicalness of just how that mm-hmm. fight went um but just i mean last I remember he just crumbled down and and you gotta think like it was a brutal match on both sides yeah exactly he just couldn't but, take any but, more in that I mean, fight I, and i say more so mcdonough because lawler has fought since then but you look at mcdonough where you, you have a fight a fight like that what did that do to you mentally mm-hmm. and even to the point where i think he broke his nose again and you got to think maybe a little bit more hesitation on his part. So it's yeah. kind of like, I know he wanted to come off strong. I know he's going to enter free agency, whether it's going to be with UFC or Bellator, which he's fighting, whatever it is. But again, I, I feel like the the Royal McDonald from, from yesterday is different from like two years ago. And I think that a lot of it had to do with that Robbie Lawler fight.
2: Definitely. I, think, I so. think that, um you know, that's the kind of fight that takes, it takes uh, time off of your career after you've been through him. You just can't go through one of those unless you're Robbie Lawler. You know every single fight, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of it, and definitely the ring rust. Like we, like mm-hmm. you just said, he hasn't been in the cage for more than a year, about a, a year coming a up year. on, yeah, coming up on it. It's got to be a factor, especially when you see how active Stephen Thompson has been. Also, you mm-hmm. got to factor that into it.
0: I mean, I, here's a guy who's 26 years old, but by no means a youngster in in the cage. This guy right. is, I, I think, it's fair to say he's a veteran in the cage. Yes. Um, so where he goes from here, who knows? I mean, definitely with the sale who
1: knows what that's going to be like you know with free agents but it should be interesting I've always choked in the past Robbie well other people as well they talk about him as the Canadian nightmare and he's always or uh, a can, Canadian killer right Canadian Rory you're talking about Oh, Rob. yeah a Canadian psycho excuse me yes. Rory yeah. um
0: yeah.
1: And, and he's always struck me as yeah he's so reminiscent of Patrick Bateman mm-hmm. American psycho um so to that end, I, I wonder. It sounds like this uh, the, the Lawler match more so. This was evidence that the Lawler match turned him from Patrick Bateman to Jason Bateman, perhaps, <laughs> oh, maybe nice. Justine Bateman. Nice. Who knows? I don't know about that, but <laughs> it's uh, it. It sounds like it, it did uh, um, humanize him a bit. I don't. I don't. I mean, it, it pulverized him, is what it did. I mean, I you <laughs> know
3: he. Uh, that that was the thing I was really wondering is like the fact of the Robbie Lawler match. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no doubt. Mentally is one thing; these guys are so mentally tough. And to step back it's in the cage and pre- preparation, fine, okay. I was much more worried, honestly, physically. The toll that that takes. You know, people say oh, Robbie Lawler took a beating too, but that was much more cosmetic. I mean, yeah. that, that was he was battering. Rory McDonald, and McDonald hung in there to the point that he just couldn't do it anymore. I saw him flinch a couple times against uh, Stephen Thompson. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was really surprising to me and I think indicative of a lot of you know where he is as a fighter. Um, you know, It's a tough one. This is a brutal game. That's why fighters... Uh, deserve much more than they get because from one event to another, mm-hmm. everything can change. And I, I think we saw that, uh, the you know, the, that reality with Rory McDonald, I think, uh, is something that manifested in that mm-hmm. Lawler fight. And, you know, we saw now what Steven Thompson did to him. And Steven Thompson slugged it out, and he's not the biggest puncher in the world, and he's still, you know, really, at the end of that, Rory was looking pretty similar to how he looked against Lawler. He mm-hmm. was battered and beaten. I think that's going to be wow. the M.O. throughout the rest of his career now. It's just that his face is going to bleed. I mean, that's just how he does it.
2: Yeah, definitely, um, you know, he's turning into a bit of a Diaz brother in that way mm-hmm. in that, you know, after yeah. so many battles, he's, he's just easier to cut. And um, like you just said, I what's shocked me the most is his lack of output. He's always been a slow starter. He was like that against Robbie Lawler, mm-hmm. too. So the first round... It didn't surprise me that the output wasn't there, but when you started getting to the second and third, when he was clearly in striking range, and the fact that he just kind of stood there with his arms outstretched, not really going for anything, that's when I thought, you know, he's a little different. Something's there's some off. there's some kind of problem. Yeah. And especially when Thompson started to increase his uh, output, and Rory didn't even... Try to change up the game plan because he's a bigger guy, if I'm not mistaken, than Steven. Mm-hmm. I just at least looking to see if maybe he initiated the clinch a little more. I felt like that's where R- R- ah, Robbie. Rory would have had a big advantage, but it just wasn't there for him all night.
3: No, but you have to credit Thompson too, right? I mean, his Definitely. speed and his footwork um, really thwarted anything that Rory did. Rory was very basic in that fight. Uh, he didn't, you know, he relied on a left hook and a jab, and he didn't do too much other than that. Yeah. Um, and against a guy like Stephen Thompson who moves so well, you're, you're going to look silly at certain points, and I think that's what happened. Well, let's talk Definitely. about Steven
0: Thompson for a bit. I mean, here's a guy, Oops. obviously, he's got that karate background, that karate side, the wide leg stance, mm-hmm. and just kind of gives him the range. But here's also a guy that he, he he's so much more than a karate guy. Every single fight that he's had in the last few years, since especially since that Matt Brown loss, he yes. just shows us something new every single time. You know, Johnny Hendricks, we, we, none of us thought he was going to knock out Johnny Hendricks so quickly. Um, me, personally, I didn't think that this fight was going to last five rounds either, but it yeah. did. But yeah. he definitely saw a, a, like an evolution of Wonder Boy. Mm-hmm. So, do you guys agree, disagree?
2: I, I agree. When um, I look back, I haven't uh, kept up too much with Steven. I know he's moved up the ranks, but as far as um, you know, him making an impact every card, I kind of lost track uh, after Matt Brown. And I've had to kind of say, oh, he had that fight with Patrick Cote. He had a good fight with Jake Ellenberger. But the Johnny Hendricks fight, it really opened a lot of people's eyes that mm-hmm. you know what he's not just benefiting from good matchups anymore. Mm-hmm. He really is one of the top guys in the division now, and he has added a more diverse game to his arsenal to complement the striking.
0: I okay, think that's right. <laughs> the, yep. um, the, the thing <laughs> that, that not I noticed too is, is 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 he did get tagged a little bit. There were, and especially in that fifth mm-hmm. round, maybe it was the lack of strength for it being the fifth round. I thought Tom I was kind of worried for for him at first second, like, but but he shows that he does have the chin. Um, You know, where he goes from here, I, I think it's fair to say Title Shot would be next. It's hard to argue uh, against uh, that.
2: Yeah, it's hard to deny him. I I think it
3: depends on what GSP does and what they want to do with GSP. That is a good point. But he's right there. I mean, he was there before. I think the Hendricks fight convinced a lot of people that maybe Mm -hmm. he deserves it. Now, certainly, uh, beating Rory McDonald puts him in position to do that. But you know, with the UFC, you're never quite sure. And then if GSP comes back and it's a Mm -hmm. 170, I I couldn't imagine GSP fighting at 170 with the belt not on the line. Mm -hmm. Um, If Lawler beats uh, Tyron Woodley, I would love to see Lawler against GSP. That would Mm -hmm. be...
0: To see that, that to be, yes, yeah. that'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, he's teased a lot too that he wants to fight guys like Michael Bisbing. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if that just means. And he said before, once he goes up to 185, he's not going to go back down to 170 either. Yeah, well, well, I, don't, I don't care about seeing GSP at 85. I have, I have yeah. no interest in that. I mean, has he said that recently? I, well, he, said, know, that he was, said that a today. long time ago. Well, he when, said when that dream be. fight with Anderson Silva was getting talked about, there that was years ago. Oh, yeah, but there's a lot of talk
3: about him fighting Bisbang. I mean, that's in the his people are saying that, and you know, potentially, I. I don't see any point in that fight. Mm-hmm. That's not even a fun fight to promote because Bisping can't talk all his trash against a guy like GSP who mm-hmm. won't return the favor and won't yeah. you know, yeah. be on the other side of that. So I don't see the benefit for that fight. It doesn't make sense. You know, Bisping should go fight somebody else at 85. That whole division's a mess yeah. and they can throw somebody in there. Let GSP be the great welterweight. If he really wants to fight again... It's not like he was the most exciting fight in the world. The only people, the reason people really cared about Jordan St. Pierre because that he won every time, and you know he went out on a fight that a lot of people thought mm, he probably didn't win that fight against Johnny Hendricks. I think he needs to go back to 70 if he's going to fight and mm-hmm. you know prove that he is or isn't the best guy in the world. He still might be, and you know that's that's where the intrigue is for me to watch TSP fight.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, definitely, I feel like one of the big reasons he never did take the fight with Anderson, even if he could make 185. He just gives up too many advantages in terms of size, reach, height. And so 170 definitely always suited his frame better. And regarding Michael Bisping, it's on today's uh, MMA hour with Ariel Helwani, where he made a lot of points that he felt that he was just a better fighter all around than Michael Bisping Mm. and felt that that would be a good matchup. Which, on paper, if everything equal, he's probably right as far as being a well-rounded fighter. But once again, the size issue that just changes the ball game, in my opinion. And I agree, he should be fighting at one seventy. I
1: agree with yeah. It doesn't make sense to throw him into eighty-five because sure. there's it's kind of like a cooking. There's so many tastes that go together, mm-hmm. and he's. I don't want to go so far as to say George St. Pierre tastes better at 170. <laughs> That's a really bad thing for me to say. That's not going to come out right in any way, shape, or form. But he, he fits in 170, whereas you throw him in an 85, and it, it it just mixes up too many other too many other things. It, it kind of puts everything else on hold. Um, I, I just adding to that. I mean, it's there's I, I, I don't see any benefit to to him going to 85, uh, and and then the rest of the the weight classes kind of being put on hold for that you know well speaking of the 170 class 170 weight division we
0: have another guy that kind of in my opinion rose up in that division regardless of where he fights oh yes you have donald Mm. who, who i think a lot of people at first were like well you know he's better suited at 155 but i think he's better suited at either one the the guy willing to fight in an, any division that, that he wants to. So obviously, you know, you throw him a middleweight, I'm sure he will find a way to make the weight. <laughs> um, but here's a guy, Patrick O'Shea, very legit. You know, guys, you know, he's been around for a while. You know, got he's the 205, a former 205 or right. 85, or going down to 70. But Donat in, in my opinion, he looked flawless.
1: Yeah, like oh. here's
0: a guy who just like, just gets. I don't want to say gets better. I mean, I think we expect the set of Cerrone, but I didn't expect him to be this good at this division. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, he was ready for If he had to stand and trade with uh, Cote, to last, uh, not last night, but Saturday night, he would have been able to. I was shocked at just how much power he carries against a guy like Cote. Solid chin, good striker himself. And you're right. Cowboy, he really looks sharp at 170. This is now his second fight mm-hmm. since losing to Dos Anjos. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really on a bad stretch at 155, you know, barring that one loss. So it's very interesting. I found, found it surprising he's not ranked yet. He is now.
0: He went up to 14. He went up
2: to 14, oh, up to 14 yeah. now. They had that updated. So, yeah, there's a few fights up there for Cowboy. I mean, I wouldn't, seen, I wouldn't mind seeing him fight against Matt Brown. I was also thinking, I know there's a bunch of reasons, rankings, the fact they're in the same gym. Mm-hmm. But watching that fight with Cote, I would really love to see him and Carlos Condit throw down.
3: Now, no, Josh, how,
0: how 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 much do you think that Donald Sirona can make an impact in that welterweight division?
3: I think it's tough for him. Uh, you know, Donald's hit and miss when he's on fire. He mm-hmm. can beat anybody on any given night. Sure. But then, uh, you know... <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I was surprised before by his performance. I only saw the highlights of the Cote fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, it was a contest that I thought Cote would have success at. I thought he'd grind out a win. He'd be a little too so- strong. His defense was too good for Cerrone. And uh, like I said, you know, with Cerrone, you know, one night he can look like the most amazing fighter in the world, and the next night, you know, there's some holes in his game. You know, Rafael dos Anjos kind of ran through him, and you figure, mm-hmm. well, how does a guy like that get run through at 155 and then survive at 170? So uh, the weight cut suited him this time. There was you know, I think that works for him well but like you never know it's a division full of really strong wrestlers um, it's changed some over the years there's a lot more strikers now uh, yeah. but he used to be dominated by, dominated by wrestlers and I think that might be troubling for Cerrone although his ground game can be sneaky so um, it's a tough one I, I no, put nothing past him I mean there's a guy with a lot of guts and he's going to fight anybody at any
0: time And so, I mean, um, assuming um, that you know, he does fight at 170 next who would you guys put against Cerrone next?
1: I don't know I mean yeah. There's, there's Rick's story stands out in my head. I don't know why exactly, but the uh, Rick story is somebody. That if they're going to give Cerrone a shot to to try and build him up uh, in, in 170, um, that's somebody we're putting on my promoter's hat. Probably, um, I, I'd book Cerrone and uh, Cerrone and Story. Um, some of these other matches, you know, I mean, they're, they're guys still. Well, maybe Matt Brown as well. Um, because you know that pick. that's gonna be it's gonna be great stand and bang. Um, but it'll also be a great scrap. There will be a lot of scrambles uh, on the ground if it if it goes to the ground. Um,
0: it but- sounds like Serrani wants to fight soon, especially with yeah. him kind of complaining yeah. about the payout. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and I and I've said this before. I think it's complete BS. That that Dana White's going to cater to Conor McGregor. Not not to say that McGregor doesn't deserve whatever he gets, but his reasoning behind like, well, McGregor always steps up. McGregor always does. Well, Donna Cerrone does that. Too. Cerrone steps Cerrone up. Cerrone probably yeah. even more so. He'll probably fight on UFC two hundred if he if you want him to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm sure he was throwing his head in for the. To he replace, did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he to fight, did on that post fight show, Megan O'Leary. Really? Yeah, yeah. He was
2: saying it's like you know UFC two hundred. They have a lot of fights on. I'm pretty sure you could get me in one of them. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Musasi ha- is out of an opponent, so. I mean, if he what's he gonna do? Weigh in with like quarters in his shorts or something. I don't I mean, know. He, he seems like the guy who would want to try that, but I guess we'll wait and see.
0: But we'll wait and see. you
2: know, I'd put you could put the money on the you know you could put the house down. He's gonna fight sooner rather than later.
0: I'm sure mm-hmm. he's gonna fight at UFC 201 or 202. Right. We'll see how that goes. Uh, the next fight, Sean, uh, Sean O'Connell versus Steve Bossy. Personally, my Ooh, favorite weigh in. Uh, your favorite weigh-in guy, weigh-in guy Sean O'Connell. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see that one? Mm-hmm. I, didn't I missed get the weigh-ins. Did he, What did he do this time? <laughs> he blew bubbles so that way, <laughs> so
1: that way, like you know, when they're posing, you can see the bubbles, like kind of. <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> I uh... on, on one hand, I, well, he, he lost by by Ude. I don't know how much uh, punishment he took, but uh, oh. they both took punishment. Yeah, was it? It, 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 it didn't. It, fight. But apparently, it was a crazy fight. fight it, night, it you know.
2: was a. It wasn't a barn burner. It was a whole town on fire yeah. kind of fight. Oh, um, Basse, he was landing some heavy shots, but mm-hmm. then O'Connell came back to just drop him. It seemed he knocked him out almost similar to Check Congo, Pat Berry, where Congo, he just got laid out flat, but he came right back. Mm-hmm. It was that kind of fight. And for three rounds, in the second and third, Steve Basse came back, and he was just... A little more accurate, a little more active, and he got the decision despite losing the first round. But that was just such a fun fight all around. Just complete rock'em, suck'em, robot-style fight. Mm-hmm. I loved it. This is
0: one of those fights where, and, and I find it hard to believe that, you know, you perform like that. Even if you lose, it's hard to, like, release you from your contract. You know, right. Obviously, yes. we've seen a lot of releases go, go back in the past few months. And I, I really think, even though Sean O'Connell hasn't really been that successful in the past few months, or a few fights... He's not gonna. I don't think they're gonna. He has his ups and downs. Yeah, but I, win I think, two, lose two. But I think that like after after because he's won two out of the last six. Mm-hmm. But I think after a performance like that, it's hard to like. Oh, and you know, it's hard to release the guy. You know, it's hard to fire right. the guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. The bottom line is, show up to fight. Show up to. I don't want to say perform, but just show up, mm-hmm. and you'll be fine. You don't have to worry about you know having a scrap for food or you know going to some other promotion but
2: and the ufc rewards the fact that he left it all out there and i think you know if he had just kind of started coasting or just turtled up no he kept trying to throw haymakers at Bosse the entire fight so i can't see him getting cut so easily i think they'll give him at least one more fight
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure it was a fun fight. Uh, like I said, rounding out the card, Olivier Alban mercy defeated Tailboat Gaulty. Gaulty? Mm-hmm. Uh Another fight that I kind of want to talk about for a second, Joanne Calderwood versus Valerie Laterno. Yes. The first uh, UFC fight at the flyweight division for the women. Mm, uh, that's right. I, as you mentioned, JoJo Calderwood, Ultimate Fighter. You know, obviously we cover that show.
1: You, uh, Ultimate Fighter 20, was it? Twenty Season 20? Yeah. Was, was that it? that? No, now... season 20.
2: That's the first all-female no, season, right? There was
1: all-female yes. season, which was
0: uh, season 20.
2: With was... Pettis and Melendez.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like they're bringing in a bunch of flyweight women, but still mm-hmm. kind of a fun fight to watch. I don't I, know if you wanted to talk about it for a second.
2: Yeah, I think uh, it, it illustrates a great point, that difference between, for the women, having 115, then the next available option is 135. There's a bunch of them that profit from being right there in the middle. Calderwood is one of them. Laterno, obviously... Didn't quite take as as much advantage of it, but it was just a great fight for JoJo Calderwood. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people thought that Leterno was going to be more well-rounded. She has that championship fight experience now, but Calderwood just looked good. Um, I always find it so interesting. She has the most unassuming voice out of anyone in MMA. But she still just fights with like that gangster. She will throw down. Even when she's down, she'll keep fighting. And it was just a great one. The finish, she dropped at Letourneau with the body shot in the first round. That finish at the end of the third, it looked like Laterno was hurt. She tried to hide it i can't speak for letourneau with the wardrobe malfunction that they pointed out on the
1: broadcast did another one happen
2: no she was it looked like something had been knocked loose with mm. a kick and um letourneau she literally stopped fighting to almost like hey i'm gonna fix it but the ref didn't stop the fight that's yeah. what i found
0: interesting there was a few times where she got hit in the gut and she turned around yes. um and then, like, they're just, oh, we'll keep fighting. Like, well, I don't think she can anymore. <laughs> yeah,
2: and then um, it, that's what ended it. In the, the final frame, she took the body shot. She turned her back to Jojo. Jojo followed up with a nice little combination, ended with that spinning back fist, and just a great finish for Jojo. Loved it
0: great finish and i want to talk about her for a second because she put it uh she kind of was mentioning or she talked they talked about on mmafighting.com that she's already broke as hell her exact words um you know some of the payouts and whatnot now segue into the ufc getting sold because they're they're apparently the bid's done you know they put in the bid it's getting sold for you know and how long it's going to be ready who knows um but that's kind of a big deal no longer will the fortitas and dana white be in charge of the ufc you know well, it's when Dana White is
1: apparently still right. going to be there but when when Strike Force was sold uh-huh. um i, I remember tw- i think a tweeting or a article i wrote saying that there are no more shots to be heard around the world with MMA apparently i was wrong about that one uh you know and, and this these uh, the the rumors and the stories go go back that far i'm not a uh, i'm not a business guy so you know i, I didn't necessarily see See this one coming, you know, uh, and that was obviously many years ago, anyway. But uh, um, for 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 it to come out, I feel like the the headlines have come out so super fast, and for the deal to to be reported to be closed now, mm-hmm. um, to me, kind of uh, that's the shot heard that's the MMA shot heard around the world. So I sit corrected from what 2010, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Well, for myself personally, just because we've seen the almost clickbait type headlines back and forth oh they sold it oh dana white we're not selling it hmm. i thought that it was just um, more for attention just because you know you imagine it's got to be such a profitable thing how can you see sell something that's probably going to grow over time still but if it is true ufc sold 4.2 billion dollars um we were talking about it before the show We hope that the issues in MMA, the things that are done well, continue to be done well because you know we are fight fans. We want to see great fights, but um, issues with fighter pay, um, performance-enhancing drugs, that the change of ownership doesn't affect the continued effort to really erase these issues in the sport.
0: Mm. Now, you tweeted earlier, uh, Josh Gross, about the uh, I guess William Morris. Are they the ones buying? The UFC?
3: Well, they help facilitate the deal. It's a, a, a consortium of groups that are coming together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chinese group, um, uh, media companies. I mean, that's the, the UFC has grown so much uh, that it takes a, a mm-hmm. deal like that to be put in place. I mean, $4.2 billion is a lot of money, if that's the accurate figure. But mm-hmm. uh, they've been flirting with selling for a long time. Um, I think it really boils down to... Um, right time, right place. I mean, you're talking about issues in the sport. You're talking about potentially the Muhammad Ali Act being expanded to mixed martial arts. They may change right. the structure of the sport. Right now, the UFC has the best of all worlds, right? They get to treat their fighters like independent contractors mm-hmm. when they want to, employees when they want to. Uh, they the, the fighters, generally speaking, don't know much about the financials. All that may change. Perhaps the fighters come together for an association or a union. That may change a lot. Um, so this all makes sense. It all makes sense. And you're talking about a situation when... Um, Lorenzo Fertita probably wants to go back to his casino business. Mm. Um, I think that's got a lot to do with the decisions here. Uh, there's talk about perhaps investing in the Raiders or an NHL team coming to Las Vegas. Okay. Um, so, you know, these are smart guys who ran the business for 15 years. And if the reports are true, and, I, and, you know, I've, I've heard whispers for a long time about sales, you know, it's one of those things that mm. you say it enough, it's going to be true. I think, I think finally the smoke, there's enough smoke and there's fire to suggest to me that this is real. Um, things that I'm hearing, I know that... Uh, um, the bids apparently were closed this weekend, and uh, the groups involved obviously are very real. you know your power players in the media business and the sports business right. so uh, you know a lot of to be determined what this means uh, i think I think we know a couple constants right that mixed martial arts is an amazing sport mm-hmm. yes. that the fighters will compete as hard as they can uh, it'll be entertaining for fans. Um, what that means, you know, otherwise in terms of the structure of the UFC or you know, one dominant promotion or whatever it is, I think you'll see the UFC expand globally even more now, I think you'll see them going to China more than they ever have Um, and so, uh, you know it's just continued progression of the sport. These are growing pains. If you want to call them that it's an evolution, you know, uh, the people who are around when the AFL NFL merger happened, you wonder what kind of those discussions there were at the time, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think this is one of those moments, you know, everybody talked about when the UFC bought pride, that it was all done and there was nothing else to do. Well, that's not true. A competitor came along and they, they bought those guys in strike force and say what you want about Bellator. They're owned by Viacom and Viacom really loves Bellator and Bellator makes money for them and does really well. So, I uh, you know, there's, uh, the sport is a global sport and I think this may do more than uh, than we've seen uh, prior to really expanding it all over the world. China is a mass market that hasn't been opened up to MMA yet. Um, there's a lot of repercussions from a deal like this. Uh, there are people who are now very rich. You know, they were already rich. Now they're very, very rich uh, and, you know, we'll see if that redounds to the fighters at all or what that means. But, uh, you know, it's interesting times and for, you know, people like us who get to cover and discuss the sport, um, you know, I... I I don't care what they do with their business but it's interesting to follow along Mm -hmm. and watch and and see how it affects everybody else in the sport because UFC has always driven this space Zufa especially Mm -hmm. and um, you you know people worry about guys like that and the passion of Dana White and Lorenzo Fertitta and that not being around anymore um, you know what does that mean now you're owned by a conglomerate and you know who are the people making the decisions and you know who are the
0: real shot callers so um, it, A lot a lot to unfold, and we'll see how it plays out. But very interesting story. Lots and lots of what-ifs. Now, if you're a, a fighter for the UFC, is there any kind of concern you should have or maybe optimism for the future?
2: I think just, uh, I, if I were a fighter, I'd assume that, okay, if we're having new management come in, if there is, a, okay, we know that um they're trying to, it's a business at the end of the day. You know, the Reebok deal isn't universally... Uh, pleasing to all the fighters i think that's safe to say so if i were them i'd say if we we're having new management let's really rediscuss those kinds of deals maybe try to find a little more leeway as far mm-hmm. as getting sponsors back in the cage for at least individual fighters if not on the canvas of the ufc mm-hmm. so i think small steps like that certainly fighters are going to raise the questions more if they see there's this big shift going on at the top
1: i just hope we don't go back to two-a-day shows God, those were brutal. Huh? Mm-hmm. There's one from Australia, and there's one from Evansville. We're going to cover both of them right here at AfterBuzz TV. No, we're not going to do that, guys. I mean, going no. back to what I mentioned Those earlier, days are gone.
0: Going back to mentioning about Joanne Calderwood, who, who's kind of like, you know, literally she says that she's got to save up just so she can train at Tristar again. Right. Yeah. I mean, is is she going to be affected by it? Do you think she's going to have a better payout later on in the future? I mean, that from what I heard, they made a $158 million profit mm. last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that going to go to the NEA fighters? But said, it's a business. The business is make the most money.
1: Um, I, I think. I mean, my gut would uh, obviously not known the details, and or if, certainly not of uh, who's who, who's buying it. Let alone their business philosophy. Um, on one hand, if if the Fertitas and, and Dana get out, um, I would think then that it um, either. I mean, either the, the new owners come in and they're a bit more. Uh, uh, Fair with the fighters, you know, gracious and magnanimous with pay, um, and 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 fighters continue to value the UFC as being the place to be, right? Yes. Um, or it uh, or there's some struggle with uh, with the changeover, and and things don't uh, things don't go smoothly. They they might look like, financially from a fighter's perspective might look like things aren't going really to change for them. To which end, um, I think that Bellator becomes even that much more uh, enticing. You know, they, they become more. Um, more reasonable to, to, to walk away and, and consider something like a Bellator or um, depending on what the coffers are for uh, World Series of Fighting and what day of the week that is, you know. Um, but it's uh, it, it kind of lets – if these guys – if the three go away, Dana and the Lorenzos, um, that's the Fertitas excuse me, um, if they walk away from, from the UFC, then uh, I, I think it does – makes it easier for fighters to – to not uh, not have as much doubt about walking away from, from the UFC as well. Mm-hmm.
2: I think what it boils down to, you know, what, what position do these new owners have? And mm-hmm. it's important to note that Dana White, as the president of the UFC, will still be around for the immediate future. So I take that to do, assume that they understand that if it's not broken, you know, all the way, you know, say what you will about other issues— but as a whole, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So I don't see them doing some crazy like they're gonna bring in a tournament format like the old Bellator. You know, Plus, they that understand can, not that, that, that extreme. Yeah, they yeah. understand that you know changes like that aren't gonna be made. But it uh, really just remains to be seen what stance that these new owners—you said there were several of them—WME, IMEG, that Daily and Wanda, the, the craft, craft group, group yeah. Tencent Holdings. Um, you have to see you know that's four groups, what I understand
3: yeah like, look it's an international play. I mean you have yeah. two Chinese uh you know portions to that. I, I think the opening up the Chinese market is really where they're looking at you know where have the ufc not been able to go and monetize their business right. yet, and mm-hmm. China is obviously enormous um, I look I think uh, the craft is the crafts people are the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. so you know you're you're talking about sports people and um I don't know It's a lot of things To be determined The UFC ran it Like a family business For a long time yes. They've the, the business has grown enormously they created more than a fight mm-hmm. company they created a media company mm-hmm. and that's what you're buying into the, the questions I have is if you're spending 4.2 $4. 2 billion dollars you better feel pretty confident about what you're getting um, nice. and mm-hmm. I think the fight side is less important than the media side that they've built up the, the fight pass platform that they built yeah. up uh, you, you're talking about the UFC is going to be up for a new television rights deal here in a couple years that's you right. know so th- they know all that um, and they have mm-hmm. to also know that the fighters may be pushing back and the US government may be looking to bust up their, their business model um, and so again a lot of what ifs but these are smart people with a lot of money and you know we'll, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing from them once this thing is finalized and done because you know just because a bid is closed they still have to go through a diligence phase and there will be a transition okay. phase and all sorts of stuff um but uh, yeah, again, fun. It's never boring in MMA, yeah. right? I mean, there's, there's, the news
0: cycle in this sport is insane. It's it's always something you know. to talk about, you yeah. know? Because Because here, you know, obviously we cover the fights, but there's always something new to talk about, whether it's about Conor yeah. McGregor or Ronda Rousey or just some mm-hmm. other promotion that happened. Obviously, you know, unfortunately, we we lost Kimbo Slice not too long ago. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, in my opinion, a, an un uh, a forgotten pioneer of the business. Here's a guy who main evented the first prime time uh, on network TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kimbo Slice. You know. In my opinion he's he's, he's a pioneer might might not be agree with other people but again my opinion well,
2: well he was certainly always a different character for MMA and mm-hmm. an interesting one I know that he was family man and he has children so my thoughts go out to them but definitely just sad to lose him so young um, he was only 42 you you know he's got those big muscles but he was uh, he's suffering from uh, heart issues if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken so just my thoughts go out to the family at this time. That's what I really think when I saw what happened with Kimbo.
1: We were around, um, especially, I was obviously working with Pro Elite, um, less so with Elite XC, but uh, Josh covered uh, covered Kimbo quite a bit uh, during that time. So he can speak better than I can about a one-on-one interaction with whether you want to call it Kimbo or Kevin Ferguson. Um, But uh, what I can say is that in the Pro Elite office, which... um, I remember I was having a conversation. You said you hadn't stepped in there, but uh, your reporting of what was going on in the office during the uh, the business upheaval mm-hmm. was was impeccable and and really spot on. It was as if you were there. Um, he uh, motivated. He he was a character that I, I think uh, the promoters were excited about Kimbo for sure, and he was somebody that clearly throughout his career. Um, captured everybody's attention and imagination. And the thing about the staff of Pro Elite and especially LeadXC, uh a lot of them didn't really know the fight game at all, but they were thrown into the mix of uh, this new media company, this new fight promotion, and it was exciting. Um, there was a lot, a lot of youthful people, a lot of energy, and they really drew energy from Kimbo. The fact that they that we had this guy who was uh, hopefully, going to lead the way and, and and pave new fortunes for the whole company, and really get us up uh, flying. Um, everyone, everyone really bought into that, and there was mm-hmm. there was no denial. I wasn't involved with any of the Kimbo stuff at all, um, but. It, it was blatant. You know, there was, he brought a certain spirit to the company office, even with, without necessarily being there very often, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's that to be said about his legacy, which I think only a, a handful of people, obviously, the, the pro lead staff mm-hmm. uh, would know about.
3: Yeah, look, Kimbo is a character that a lot of people know. Um... And I think he does, I think he is important, mm-hmm. as you said. He drew a lot of eyeballs to mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um, for many people, they became introduced to the sport through Kimbo Slice. Um, you know you can criticize him for being a fighter or whatever you know he wasn't a top level champion that's Mm -hmm. fine Uh, he was who he was and you know he was always honest about it he was always a guy saying i'm just trying to improve as a mixed martial artist i'm Mm -hmm. trying to learn the game and if you actually listened to him and you know believed him then and i did um, then there was a lot of value in that he was a sweet guy Mm -hmm. and he was a genuine guy and um, uh, you know people tried to build up a persona around him and trying to make him the scary character and you know, in some ways, he sold that because that's how he could make money. But you know, that wasn't really who he was. He was quiet, and he wanted to be around his family. And you know, when uh, there was a big party going down, most of the time he just wanted to be in his hotel room and just chilling. So, um, yeah. you know, he was a, he was a new, unique person, and kind of a crazy thing. Um, the day that he died, he was still talking about fighting. He was on the phone with people from Viacom and Bellator, mm-hmm. and talking about what's next. Let's let's plan for the next thing. And um, you know, it's uh, he. he he made the most of what he had and he came from not a lot and he worked hard and he tried to instill the right things in the right in his family and um you know he should be remembered for a lot of reasons yeah
0: we have a couple minutes left so we're going to wrap up soon but I did want to cover your, your book sure. Ali versus Inoki probably the first MMA fight ever no I wouldn't I mean, say that yeah. um, the most famous the, most, public the one? most the most
3: infamous one yeah Muhammad Ali being
0: involved Wait, Certainly, say and, would you like to hold yeah, it up yeah. for yeah. the Let's fans get the right shot right here no 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 me personally yes. I'm a big MMA fan but I'm also a big big pro wrestling fan and obviously Antonio Inoki WWE Hall of Famer mm-hmm. uh, in New Japan he's Legend would be an understatement. That's I mean, right. here's again in Japan, <laughs> legend would be an understatement. Exactly. I mean, this guy is you know a god over there throwing Muhammad Ali. I mean, now you got these two the the irremovable. The, I don't. You can't even say it. The irremovable force versus the the immovable object. Immovable object. Yeah, object yeah, pretty much. The, and this is yeah. years before Hogan and Andre. <laughs> um, how much did you have to kill? I mean, obviously you probably your love for it you know is is undeniable. But just going into that book like. How did you prepare to, to get the research? Obviously, this happened th- over thirty years ago. I mean, how did you get all that?
3: Yeah, the fortieth anniversary is June twenty sixth, so mm-hmm. we're coming up on it. Um, look, oh, wow. the, internet, the internet's an amazing thing. <laughs> I don't know.
0: I don't know what it's like to
3: write a book without the internet. This is my first book. Uh, it was certainly helpful. Uh, it's a kind of amazing. You know, as you if I looked at it and I looked at the index and all the stuff I wrote about, I was shocked. Actually, it surprised me. Um, you know, one topic takes you to another, to another, to another, and it's this cascading series of events. Um, I, you know, I, I was really I, I felt like this would be a, a great first book for me um, obviously anything involving Muhammad Ali uh, is captivating mm-hmm. um, I started working on this book a year and a half ago I really wrote it in about three and a half months but the process of the research and interviewing I interviewed over 30 people a lot of people who were close to Ali at the time mm-hmm. I tried to get as close to the pro wrestling folks as I could and um, you know, it, pro wrestling is not my wheelhouse. It's not my favorite thing. But i learned to really respect pro wrestling. Its importance on combat sports. Its uh-huh. importance, especially on mixed martial arts, is undeniable. You can't separate them in Japan. They're the same thing. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, this this one event... Is one that most people consider a footnote in Ali's career, a, a farce, a dud, a negative moment, which is interesting in its own way. There's not a lot of negative moments uh, associated with Muhammad Ali. But I think reframing 40 years later now with some hindsight, with understanding that mixed martial arts is a global sport that it is, um, this match is much more important than th- people think it is. And revisiting it now, I think, uh, is, a, is a good time to do that. I mean, especially a
0: little bittersweet, and not too not too long ago he did pass away, yeah, you know, Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. Um, again, bittersweet, because now you got people wanting a lot of Muhammad Ali, like, you know, going on YouTube. Yes. Now, obviously, now you can buy a book can kind of yeah. showcasing his... Yeah, his, it's,
3: it's officially out on Tuesday, June 21st. Uh, you can buy it early pre-sale on Amazon and mm-hmm. still get it there, but it should be in retailers everywhere on the 21st. And, yeah, it was tough, the, that Friday that he passed. Uh-huh. I mean, on top of just having the emotions of having someone like Muhammad Ali pass away... Uh-huh which I, I think most people were affected by in some fashion. Certainly, for me, it was hard. And I was like, you know, I feel like I was almost living with him for a year and now I have to go sell something with his name on it? How do mm-hmm. I how do, I do that without coming off like I'm trying to profit off his death? Mm-hmm. And, of course. Um, but, yeah. you know, I think... Uh, i i I think the book is really um meaningful and so i don't think it's a frivolous thing and i I feel really actually positive about the experience and i feel uh that you know being able to tell his story this story at this moment in time um is i'm I'm
0: grateful to do it if anything it's It's a a celebration of what happened i
2: was just gonna say two notes because you know I'm glad you addressed that. It should be noted that um, the plans for this book and its release were all well before the issues that um, occurred. And it also happened very quickly for Ali, sadly. But um, my question, uh, learning about uh, Ali, obviously he's such a big figure just worldwide. Is there anything about the mythology or just his career that in doing this deeper research, it's not just writing an article, Mm -hmm. you know, as a writer, you and I know, when you're really doing the research, you're learning about the inner workings of what made made these people take as competitors. Was there anything that stood out to you about Ollie and in just bringing this story to life?
3: Yeah, you know, it's a it's a good question because uh, you think you know so much about the man, right? There's yeah. been so much written about him, um, and you know, you walk in with some ideas. I, I was. It seems it sounds weird considering how great a boxer he was, but I was surprised by how competitive he was. You know, um, you know the greatest of all time and all that. You think it's kind of like a shtick, and it's like his his persona. It's not really who he was. That's that's who he was. Uh, I was also you know when he committed to something, he did it. Um, if he said he was going to do something, he did it. It wasn't This wasn't a guy who was easy to commit to something and walk away from it. And I also think um, that his energy and his ability to have an interaction with, it didn't matter who you were, a regular person on the street or the President of the United States, he treated you the same way and you were awestruck by him in the same way. You sort of fell drunk in love with him. And he knew that. He knew he had the ability. He just wanted to have a positive energy exchange with people. Uh, and he did that constantly. I heard so many stories uh, of him just interacting with regular folks. Uh, and for them, it's the biggest moment of their life. they lives. This amazing Muhammad Ali story. And for him, it was just another day. Uh, and, and his energy was um, boundless. He never got tired. It was amazing to learn about this man and really delve into his life, oh. and to you know check on this sort of footnote. This this moment mm-hmm. that didn't really matter too much. That in the end, I think matters a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, people revisit that and check out the book.
0: Yeah, I know. So, I know. Uh, book circle online. You guys okay. talked a lot more, went into more detail about it. You can mm-hmm. find that on YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for watching. If you're listening to us on iTunes, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank everybody here, especially Josh Cross for coming in. Thank you guys. Um, thank you. If you guys want to plug your Twitter and where can people find you? Where can people read your articles or? And, yeah, all I'm done. still J 716 all over that internet, <laughs> all over the internet. I'm uh, I'm writing for the Guardian these days, and I'm
3: on Twitter Y A Y underscore Y E E.
2: Amazing. I'm Gabriel, and you can find me on Twitter all the time at Double G on TV.
0: Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Snapchat, G Hermosa, G-H-E R M O Z A. I want to thank you so much. We will be back in a few weeks to cover that whole UFC 200 fight night fiasco. Oh, it's gonna yeah. be a fun time. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about all about it on Twitter. Feel free to tweet us anytime. After Buzz TV, we're out. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Afterbuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the Afterbuzz TV Network.